Hello everyone and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach and the hosts joining me this evening, the special guest, uh, we have Danny, Susan, and Bruce. How are you fine folks? Doing great. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're excited uh, about all the stuff that's been happening lately, so it's great. This is a lot of people for me to chat with on my lone, lonely, lonesome. I'm, I'm missing uh, I'm missing backup. Yeah, channel. Troy and Troy and uh, John, and, yeah, or, or, or Zach or John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, well, first off, we'll be gen- we'll be gentle. We'll be gentle. Zach. Oh, I appreciate that. No, don't be <laughs> gentle. Be that that would that is not what this audience demands or, or okay, desires. Okay, okay, so. good. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll rough All right. Out. So, so I, I just want to make sure that I'm hearing that you've given us consent to be rough. I have. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I I may regret that later, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you're already starting to regret it now. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't until you asked for clarity, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I may have made a mistake. Um, okay, well, hey, um, I've known you guys now for a while, especially Danny, um, but you're new to the show. So, Danny, why don't we start with you and just give us a quick rundown of who you are, and then we'll move to Susan and then to Bruce. Great. Uh, my name is Danny Grimes. I am a writer and game designer. Uh, I wear a lot of other hats, too. We also have a company that does uh, other stuff um, that's related to gaming. Uh, but uh, basically, this uh, what we're doing now uh, with World of Game Design is kind of the culmination of like what I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, producing stuff. It was that dream when I was 12. You know, like someday I'm going to be able to do this for a living and I am now doing it for a living. So, uh, yeah, run attending a lot of conventions, running a lot of games with Bruce and Susan and other people, too, but primarily them. And uh, just really looking forward to uh, being able to create more and more stuff, especially in the horror genre, stuff like that. That's my jam. Susan? Yeah. Uh, I am uh, a writer and longtime uh player at least of D&D and even going way back uh, I played uh, Chill um, way back in its first incarnation uh, and always loved that horror genre or you know Cthulhu-esque uh, you know investigating the supernatural and all that kind of thing and then uh, fighting weird monsters and you know uh, and this is uh, really my first uh, dabble into uh, getting to write an adventure, although I have played in many uh, mm. and uh, really enjoy doing that. And uh, it's kind of fun writing something that's uh, more creative. I tend to write more uh, news pieces and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for a local paper. And uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited to having the opportunity to get to, to write something more fun. Fantastic. How about you, Bruce? Um, I am a, a writer, designer. Um, my um, job that currently pays most of the bills right now is um, designing escape rooms, which is kind of fun. Wow. Um, uh, and I am um, like Dan and Susan, and I suspect yourself one of those people that started playing role playing games in high school and then never quit. <laughs> um, I have um, played and run just about every genre of gaming, multiple different systems. Um, I love Cthulhu and horror. Um, it's always fun to, to um, as a player, to role play, um, being in the midst of all kinds of weird, insane things going on, the world ending and and as a GM, it's fun to drive players and uh, uh, to drive drive characters insane. Well, and yeah, and, and hopefully and hopefully give the the the, the players some um, feeling the willies more than once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I am thrilled to have you guys on because, um, as you've already said uh, in your in your little intros there, like you're your horror fans and specifically your your elder god fans of the Cthulhu mythos. Um, and that's very cool. Um, has a special place in my heart. And um, I'm really excited that uh, with a full disclosure here, I get to help you guys put together just on the fringes. I get to help you guys put together uh, elements of the, the, the campaign for this project. So it's been very cool and I'm very excited to play it. 
uh, when it's released and, and check it out. So uh, tell me, let's get this out of the way. Not that, not that, I mean, you're here for this reason, but let's get it out of the way. What, what project are we here to talk about or to, or discuss today? Um, well, we, uh, when, when, well, first of all, I just want to say really briefly, uh, Zach underplays his role in all of this. Uh, Zach has been a uh, really strong supporter of creativity and has not put a lot of constraint on us other than the real world constraints of like, this is what works, this is what doesn't, you know, and helping guide us through a lot of that. But he is also like died in the wall. Like he is a for sure Cthulhu fan and, and, and a horror fan. And, uh, so we appreciate being hooked up with somebody who cares about it on a personal level, in addition to, you know, from the, from the other side of it. That felt, that felt wrong and we're going to cut it. Um, but, uh, appreciate, appreciate the words anyways, but, but yeah. 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 So, so, uh, I, I would say that, uh, <laughs> the product that we're putting out right now, the, the, the adventure really, uh, we are calling the lantern, of Ishin Takanub. And uh, we are, uh, we created this uh, content back, gosh, when was it, Bruce? Like that 2014? Yes. Yeah, it was eight or nine years ago. Eight or nine years ago. Um, uh, we had been running at uh, Gen Con. We'd been running these big Call of Cthulhu open games with like 13 players, six, seven, eight hours, depending, uh, locked in a room and uh, wrestling with our uh, crazy schemes. And uh, when this opportunity came along, we were like, hey, you know, this thing could really be a fun adventure for people that are not in the convention setting. Although I think it's still like a dynamite convention game, too. Uh, but it really spans uh, a period of time that we don't think is really Cthulhu really addresses much, which is the Weird West. There's been a few forays into it, but uh, we really like cowboys and cultists. We think that the Lonesome Prairie is a perfect place for the tentacly evil to infiltrate. So that's what we're doing. I love it. Um, Penny Arcade put out, uh, it's been several years now, a like a six-part miniseries for Call of Cthulhu where it was focused in like a weird West setting. And Correct. Right. Oh my gosh. Like that was, that was right in the midst of me getting kind of invested in this mythos. And so this Cowboys and cultist idea is like bedrock for my, yeah. Oh, for, love for you. Of, personally. Yeah. Personally yeah. for my, my, my obsession with, with this, this genre kind of has, uh, uh, tendrils reaching all the yeah. way back to the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is an excellent series. And, uh, I go back to that frequently just to see how to do it. Like you always think you're doing it right, but it's yeah. always good to check out other people's work and be like, okay, like, could I make this better? Did they yeah. do something there that I could have done better in mind? So yeah. I think uh, we're always cognizant of what comes before, but we want to create new stuff. You know, yeah. we want to create more stuff for those people. There's probably a lot of people out there like you. They're like, Hey, I wish there was more things like this. So we just, Figured we'd lean in. Like Briscoe County Jr. Yeah, Briscoe County Jr. was a big influence. Mm. Uh, it was a Sam, uh, Sam Raimi made it, but I think uh, Bruce, yeah, Bruce Campbell, Campbell starred in it. Okay. And it was definitely a weird West. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. It's a, it it, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I think it's only two seasons. Okay, so but it's like it's a TV that series. Same, yeah, yes, it's, it's like it. a Xena or Hercules. Okay. It's in that yeah, yeah, same yeah. style. Yeah. Only it's the West. Only it's the West. Mm. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell is chewing up cardboard scenery like you would expect him to. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yeah, and and, and, and I, I always have as one of my um, uh, uh, influences, uh, Wild Wild West, the oh. TV show, not the movie. Not, not the movie, movie, the TV show. Okay, not I was going to ask. ask which way you, you smoke in there. The, the, movie, the movie does have some redeeming quality. It has, some, it has some charm. It is. Yeah. There is. There is there is a giant mechanical spider. So Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, and I'm saying that can go that. both ways. That can yeah. either be good or bad. Uh, <laughs> but the original Wild Wild West was just like, I, Bruce, that's awesome you mentioned that. Because uh, I used to wait for that. And I always wondered where what scene they would freeze on. Yeah, and I'd say another influence on this game, uh, you know, it takes it takes the 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 investigators from the middle of the desert into the heart of a city over time. And uh, so it's kind of like a coming in 
from the wilderness, yeah. you know, uh, and 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 the characters can either play. It's kind of broken into two parts. They can play one part or the other or both of them together. Uh, so it's got it's got and it's going to be really table driven. We're taking some cues from like OSR stuff and procedure based gaming where there's going to be a lot of little like. Hey, this is how you figure out if people get crushed by the rocks, mm-hmm. or this is what you know. This is what happens if the mine elevator snaps, or whatever. Uh, we're trying to put a lot of that in the hands of the GM to make rulings, yeah. not to go to the rules. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Uh, too many rules, you just end up looking stuff up all the time. You should trust your GM, you know, uh, in a good game. And this would require that. I mean, you got to make stuff up as you go. So we're excited about that introducing that to a lot more people oh yeah oh yeah what do you think let me take take like a half a step back here in the sense of what do you think makes the crossroads of um the mythos and wild west such a fascinating place to explore bruce well for me for me um uh i love um uh, while while um, uh, Lovecraft um, focuses his stories on the the um, northeast of of the United States, um, I like the 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 and and a lot of Lovecraft stuff is like closed in and tight. Yeah, yeah. and I love the idea of of taking that to a wide open area where, where, where lots of, of Lovecraft stuff is claustrophobic. Yeah. Being out, out in the, the open spaces of the West, you can try to turn it into more of a agoraphobic situation. Um, and, uh, I also, uh, really like the ideas of, um, using some, trying to, to, to create a more nineteenth um, century American mythos, mm-hmm. use those and use those tropes uh, and ideas in the stories. I I knew I liked you for a reason, Bruce. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now we that's know. a great. That's a that that I I think I agree with one hundred percent of all that. I, I I like the loneliness of it. There's nowhere like, to hide. There's nowhere to hide. So. It's like when you're in a tight box and the closet door opens up and out come the tentacles. That's one thing. But how much more horrible to see the tentacles coming from 10 miles away and know I cannot get away from this. It doesn't matter how hard I ride this horse. It doesn't. They're good. You know, I'm trapped in a bigger box. It's 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 nowhere to hide. But at the same point, like the the expansiveness. So I live in Kansas City or just just west of kansas city right so i'm in the heart of that's right it's there's an expansiveness but there's also it's there's a false security to i can see for miles i can't get snuck up on right or whatever like like this idea of but the, the, the truth of the matter is that that even the prairie there is pockets and cavities and crevasses and you know like sudden manifestations can happen even in the in our quote-unquote real world and and uh you know driving down you'll you'll have something jump out in front of you just out in the open right but that's that's there's there's a fascination there i love that you brought up though the 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 openness both of you because that to me is like when when you come out to kansas right like or, or even further west to like western kansas like you can the thing that it does that you can't really get in much other places, especially the East, is your periphery, like, expands, right? You don't realize how much just, like, trees or hills or buildings just kind of keep you focused on what's in front of you. And it's only when you're, like, driving down I-70 and you can literally, the sky goes to the edge of your vision over here and the edge of your vision over here, right? Right. And, right. and you realize that, you know, the world is wider. And the Cthulhu mythos has so many terrible things that can envelop that wideness. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. you know, enclosed spaces yeah. feel contained. Anyway. Too cool. much, too much space yeah. can be terrifying. Yeah. Too much yeah. space and, can be terrifying. And I, I always, 
um, you know, ha- you know, the, there's the 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 classic um, Western movie landscape of the the group of riders riding through Monument yeah. Valley. Yeah, yeah. What's on the other side of all those mesas? Mm-hmm. What's coming up out of the shadows? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is this and, is, and, yeah. and and I mean the the the, the uh, also it's just a cool it's just a cool genre. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's gunslingers and horses and rough talk and hard riding. And, you know, there are all these, it's, it, it's our American myth is yeah. the West. Yeah. So not to be put too fine a point on it, but like the myth and the mythos, I don't take the mythos as gospel. It's just the best guess that tiny minds can make of something incomprehensible. Well, I think that's kind of how you feel when you're under the big sky. You know, it's like, how do you describe this? Like you described it as periphery to periphery, right? But you know, that's not, that's just the best you can do at the moment, right? Yes, because yes. you've got to be there and experience it. So I think uh, that's a big part of it too, is, is just being able to create this sense of, uh, you know, hopelessness, loneliness, the people who were drifters, how many serial killers were there in the old West? We didn't used to call them that, no. but those were the guys who had 22 notches on their belt. You know, they yeah. just went around killing people. Uh, and those, some of those people were really definitely insane yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so how'd they end up like that you know too much time under the sun man and then little things started whispering in your mind and mm. uh that's or, or, or elder well, giant things started whispering in your mind you, you, totally 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 <laughs> totally and 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 the 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 second part of uh this adventure um takes place in a completely different kind of classic american landscape Hmm. And that's in the um, the melting pot that was San Francisco at the turn of the 20th century, hmm. um, with all of the different cultures that that gathered in that one spot, and some of the interactions between them, um, you know, massaged with some mythos. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a Star Trek fan. Susan Susan um, is writing this part so, of the book too. So, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a huge Star Trek uh, fan, but I really love Next Generation. And uh, if if anyone else is, if you remember the episode Times Arrow, where they end up in San Francisco around 1890 something, and uh, they run into Mark Twain. Yeah, yeah. The, the Mark <laughs> Twain episode is probably more familiar from that aspect, uh, but. Uh, uh, I always really enjoy that one. And so the setting for this uh, is San Francisco, 1894. And um, after the big World's Fair in uh, Chicago the year before the Columbian Exposition, uh, California wanted to get in on some of that. And so they actually brought a bunch of the... the uh, machinery and and different things that were like kind of built up there mm-hmm. uh the ex- actual exhibitions uh and brought them out to california and they wanted to showcase california's you know up and comingness yeah. and uh and so they have they built a big fairgrounds and all this stuff in san francisco what is now golden gate park and uh there's a lot of potential for uh cultist activity if you will uh, in this area because um, because of this melting pot yep. and uh, it's just it's it's a lot of fun there were a lot of really creepy things uh, that were actually involved in the real uh, exhibition winter's exposition in uh, San Francisco just the uh, uh, there's a Dante's Inferno exhibit where in real life where people would go into a dragon's mouth and then they would experience the lake of fire and all these different, and there were people dressed up as devils. And, uh, and so this just really inspired me and it's a great backdrop for the story. So um, it's a great, I think it's a great follow-up just a little more advancement in time uh, and um, uh, a great um, expansion of the, the West Western story kind of westward expands into San Francisco. Yeah. We, we've, uh, that 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 as much as I love the Wild West, I'm fascinated always to find like little corner pockets of history that I don't know a lot about, yeah. and yeah. to like find the weirdness there. Um, so 
that what you just said and talked about like a Dante's Inferno exhibit and and the, these the the winter exhibitions in San Francisco like that's like oh I want now you've given me you've given me a, a treat for this afternoon right that I could go plumb plumb uh, a Wikipedia article or something and and find out mm -hmm. more. Um, and it's also sort of an homage, I think. I think what we've said before too. It's this Briscoe County uh, Junior or like Wild Wild West influence on one side meets sort of like a 19th century Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we 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 are we're hoping that in the end we're hoping that what people can take away from it is like the first part of it is a lot about finding things, but but generally kind of being clueless about what's going on. Like the protagonists are more or less surprised yeah. and they have to react to all these things that are suddenly happening. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, the second half, the NPCs are much more calculating mm -hmm. and they are not ignorant of what they are dealing with. In fact, they're all too aware of what they're dealing with and it's down to the investigators to plumb the depths of those plots and do what they will. Uh, I've always said in Cthulhu, you're free to join the opposition mm. at any time. Just let go. Uh, you know, <laughs> so if you easy. want to be yeah. a bad guy and you and these cultists are really appealing to you, there's no better compliment you can give to me as a GM than to say, I just give in. I just yeah. give in. You know what? They're I, making I some good points. Because... Yeah. 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 Uh, so, 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 so all this talk has got me uh, fixated on another element. So, so. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it again, so it sticks in people's mind. But we're talking about the Lantern uh, adventure that's that's coming to Kickstarter. But but we talked a little bit about the settings, right? We have San Francisco and we have the weird Wild West. Um, what type of Hulu story are we telling here? So you you there's rumblings in what you just said of like mystery or suspense, but there's so many like and, and you talked about being fans of horror before. But there's also pulp, but there's also action and like like uh there's there's a wide swath even in our current slate of rpgs that we have available to us of what a cthulhu story can do or what it's trying to accomplish or what genres other genres it's playing in what do you think the lantern uh is good at from a from a story type perspective well, I, I think the authors can probably speak specifically to it better than I can, but uh -huh. I'll just give this framing device for it, which is all the things we've ever written together, we wanted to create novel circumstances that put big challenges in front of people, ethically, morally, whatever. And they have to make decisions. It's not just, I see a monster, I have to do something about it. There's usually more going on than that. So thematically, what we think it can do is it can make people look at actual problems not that we ladle it on real heavy real world wise sure but they can see in the drama what we're echoing right yeah and i think that's really important because fear is one of the central things that we all deal with all the time and it gives opportunities for people to like face fears and tackle big subjects and then afterwards have a beer and move on you know like it doesn't have to be this heavy thing it's just a light way of kind of raising things up like a movie or a or a tv show or whatever it's it's lightweight generally but if it can show you something interesting that's what i that's what i always want to do i want to have there be something that people can take away and be like wow that was cool because it made me think um but i don't know what what do you what do you guys think? yeah i think i think the um uh the underlying theme uh is about um transformation mm -hmm. but it's it's not transformation in a constructive way it's it's transformation against your will mutations yeah yeah uh yes uh and so it's it's um i think for the players it'll be about um trying to figure out who their characters are and who their characters really are at their core uh, and then fighting, either fighting against these transformations or giving in. Hmm. Hmm. That's perfect. I'm, I'm hooked. Sign me up, Bruce. I'm, I'm, I'm all here. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it's, uh, I just like the idea of there being something out there that, um, can start as, Hey, I've just discovered this thing in the first part to, now it's 
expanding in power and it's drawing more people in. And I just like, I like objects that I like the transformation idea that, which is ultimately what it's doing, I guess. So, um, but I just, I don't know. I just like things to be crazy. <laughs> people yeah, well, lose their minds. <laughs> and not, and not to, and not to be heady. I certainly don't want to be heady about it, but I described this to somebody two days ago who's not really involved in gaming. They were just like, well, what are you working on? I told them what I was working on. And uh, this guy goes, oh, it's about cancer. It's about like, oh. it's about people dealing with a change in their life that they can't stop. Like they, they and, oh. and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's dry, you know, it's pushing them forward. And it turns out that this person had been a cancer survivor. So as soon as I said all these wow, things, like yeah, that snapped yeah. for him. Now I'm not, that was certainly not a, thing that I thought of, yeah. you know, but that just goes to show you that like people are going to take away. I, I'm really sorry. Is that, can you hear that noise? Slightly, but I may be able to scrub it in post. Okay. Well, yeah, either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll find so out. anyway, <laughs> I, I just, it's really distracting me because it's super loud on my end. Uh, of course they're, of course somebody's running a drill right now. In the other one. <laughs> so we'll scrub, we'll scrub all that. So I don't, we don't have to get into oh. any of that stuff. I just thought it was an interesting aside because this person just totally twigged on it immediately. They were like, Oh, that's what this is about. Yeah. And I was like, as an uninitiated sure. person, just hearing a rough outline, I'm okay with that. You know, whatever and, you want to take away from it. Well, and and if you transformation, I mean, that's yeah, great. If, 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 if you think about it, that fits in really nicely with some of the elements that we threw in because they were cool, but fit with that theme. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the initial germ for the Wild West part of the story um, was um, uh, having, a, a, um, having a, a, a nameless, faceless elder that had no consciousness. Um, uh, and... Um, because of the era that I grew up in, in the 70s and 80s, um, that was thermonuclear war. Oh. And what, where was the genesis of that? Um, so I, so the, the, the Wild West part is set in the New Mexico, the north of the New Mexico Territory, um, in a valley that is um, uh, uh, um, filled with poplar trees. And the Spanish for poplar is Alamo. So it takes place in the valley where Los Alamos, New Mexico is. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of times we'll take like a point in history and then we'll just run it back or run it forward. Yeah. Like, okay, we all this nuclear testing there. Okay, well, what if it wasn't nuclear testing? What if it was tampering with forces beyond their control, which it could be both, right? Yeah. And so we do a lot of that in our storytelling too. But I want to assure people that there are dark artifacts. There are evil yeah. people. There are, you know, there's all the things that you want in a Cthulhu story, but we just feel like it should be more than just the classic idea of like pouring through musty old volumes. There's no real, uh, there's a little bit of it, but a lot of it is like more action oriented. Like the characters have to go out and find clues. They don't just open a book and make a check necessarily. They have to maybe talk to the person who owns the book and they give them the clue. And that's with an interaction. Hmm. So, and if someone's really more into the more researchy aspects or, you know, that kind of thing, there's definitely more of that in the second part uh, or more opportunity for it because um, you're in the big city. You're in the big city. There's yeah. libraries, there's museums, there's, you know, experts. And, yeah. and, we, and we've tried to keep it loose, <laughs> too, where, you know, one of the things that we really think is important is to just say, here's how we did it. Yeah. You know, this goes against my Mandalorian philosophy of this is the way. Uh, when you buy when you buy this product or, or experience it as a player or as a as a as a keeper. Uh, that doesn't apply. Do what you want with it. If you don't like something we wrote, change it. Please make it better. Tell me about it at a convention. I will probably go cool uh you know because it's not about there being one way it's about whichever way people want to run it and so we've left a lot of gm advice in that says hey if you have more like nerdy bookish investigators that crop up and they want that library there's no reason that you can't have a a dusty old library in in the middle of new mexico 
It's just in the richest guy's house and it's a personal library. Yeah. You know, they're just, you can always pivot and shift. So we do a lot of prompting, you know, just say, Hey, think of these five things. And then, or if you need a description, here's a brief description, you know. I like, um, you, 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 what, what you've been talking about. Um, and I think Bruce, what you touched on there, I like the idea that, uh, uh first off, I'm, 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 I'm a huge fan of alternative histories, but I'm even more a fan of what you, you all just alluded to, which is this idea that if you play the record of history backwards, you see that the the manipulations of, of of the mythos, right? Like the idea that yeah. it's not that it's there all the time, and it's not an alternative history. It's just something that's been in you know underneath the surface. And if 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 we just if we just you know uh, if we just know where to look, we could see those interactions. Like to me, that's not something that every genre by default can do in an RPG, right? It can't necessarily do that in fantasy or sci-fi or even some modern games or whatnot, but you can do it when you go into like these like period piece stories. And what you threaten to do with something like this is create not just a fascinating RPG, but a fascination for that moment in history within the player. Right. Right. I love this story. I love uh, Los Alamos, the, the idea of the poplar trees and this, uh, the, and these little bits of lore that Bruce has sprinkled within or that, uh, or that uh, Susan you sprinkled within you're going to play through this adventure and you're going to have a great time, but there's for every, for every group of people that come and sit down, you know, with a great game master, there's going to be one or two or or six of those people that walk away from that. And like, I love that. And, and they're going to, next time they're in a bookstore, next time they're browsing Netflix, next time they're whatever, they're going to be drawn to those, those same points in time. And, and I, I think that that's really cool. And it's, I'm always I always feel like as as obsessed obsessive nerds and like tabletop game enthusiasts we're in a very narrow spectrum of a community right the wider world at large has a hard time sometimes identifying with what we do and what we're about mm-hmm. it's very rare it does happen where you get those touch points like you just mentioned Danny where you have like the the person who's like oh it's cancer and they're like oh well that you just did a lot of my work for me and like yeah, connecting yeah, with sure, you, right? Like sure. that's not that's not the norm. Typically, they you say, "Oh, I live in a fantasy world for sixteen hours a day," and they say, "All right, well, good for you, yeah. I guess." Like that's yeah, not my yeah, world, yeah. right? Uh, but 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 I love this because you're going to pick up things and find things interesting about these that you can then carry with you onto the real world, and they make great bridges to yeah. to the rest of your your acquaintances and peers. And I I always like that because. Um, um, it's just one more way of drawing people in and about making what we do and what we're obsessed with that much more approachable and acceptable and interesting to the world at large. Why do you know so much about uh, San Francisco at the turn of the 20th century, Susan? Well, I was researching for this book that I write. Oh, wow. That's cool. Right. Like, um, and not, and, and I think it points out too, that you can just get interested in something. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be something you need to do in your whole life. Yeah. You can just say, you know, from now on, I'm really interested in this and, and go ahead and be interested in it. I told, uh, I don't know who I was telling uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, obviously, the best compliment somebody can give me is to buy my book and then maybe buy the next one. But if the next one ended up being a collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories, I have to say I'd be pretty much the same level of happiness. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Uh, because because you kind of figure it serves both masters, Right. Like if they're getting into the Cthulhu Missos, they're going to want to come back for more game, you know? Yeah. So uh, if, if I could, it would be nice if it was possible to like, just say, Hey, here's the thing. And hey, here's like six short stories. I love that. You should read these two. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. because those, that's where you get people really interested in contemplating these bigger questions. So. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, now we're just sharing stories, but that's great. Um, I, I was good. <laughs> I just um I just wrapped up a game of vampire and you know I'm not I'm not I was about to say something I would regret I have <laughs> not yet invested myself into the idea of like a hardcore like the hardcore vampire community right which yeah. that's a whole other portion of It's game, an investment. Right. right it's yeah. an investment. Right yeah. exactly. And uh, that's a whole separate topic but but 
so I had a group that said, we really want to play vampire. So give us a vampire story one way or another, right? And um, so what I did is I, I put together one called Backwoods by Night, which is, I'm like, I can only tell you what I know about, right? I can't do Chicago by night or Seattle by night or LA by night and give you these big urban sprawl adventures. What I can give you is I live on the outskirts of Kansas City and I used to live in like the backwoods of Kansas, right? And so I can tell you the story of like vampires that lived in the heyday of like cattle auctions and stockyards and, and you know, everything in, that's in the fringes of Kansas City. And I can tell you about the weirdness that still exists in the southern parts and the missile silos that are abandoned and the blah, blah, blah. Like, I can do that sort of a story, right? Yep. And what I found fascinating even in that is it, when you get to draw upon the real world, there's so much information that by the end, like, that game was transformative to how what I saw that RPGs could do because I get through it and my players are out there being like, oh, I'm I'm pulling up maps of of South Kansas and I'm looking through and I'm looking at towns and looking at the the topography and like trying to evaluate where vampires might be and I'm trying to like where would they hide and like I'm oh there's oh the cattle company oh there's this like who you know where where's the big buildings over there and like what you know where would a vampire like that's all not me right that's all not something that I had to do that just fell in the lap when you have this and um yeah. It's, it's well, very you know, fascinating. It's write what you know, right? So how are you supposed to write Cthulhu? Because it's, right? But that's not the part I know. Right. The part I know is how to set up a scene to like maximally punch someone in the mouth quickly with a shock, right? That's what yeah. I know how to do. Bruce has got way better, like Bruce and Susan have way better research and way, way better details and they write compelling scenes and all this stuff, right? My job really most of the time is just go, hey, how about we just switch these two scenes? Yeah. And if we all agree, then and how we ended here, but then we don't ever really answer that question. Uh, so that's what I know. So when I write what I know, that's the only part sometimes that I know. Yeah. Uh, well, well I, I, I love using uh, real world um, environments to run games in um, for the kind of thing that you were talking about, Zach, the, the, it, there's an immediate shorthand that you don't have to explain yeah. everything. Um, you know, even my, my, um, fantasy games, when I run D and D, I run in a pseudo European yeah. setting. So there's all that backstory and, um, uh, uh environment that everybody just kind of clues in on without having to explain everything. And when you're running a game, uh, like a modern game or, uh, uh, uh a recent past 19th, 20th century game. Um, it's, it's easy for, for characters or for players to, to buy in because they can just look up stuff on Wikipedia and you can just immediately drop it into your game. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's backstory that, that, um, uh, the players come up with, which is, uh, in my opinion, the best kind of backstory because it's one the GM doesn't have to worry about. Yeah. Uh, at, at least the, the, the GM has to worry about how to tie it into the game, but that's usually the easy part. Yeah. It's yeah. How, and let's be honest, GM's here. Susan hasn't run a game yet, but she, I know she will be soon. I, well, I'm not going to call her. <laughs> the role playing game. I actually lean more towards that Appalachian. Appalachian. Oh, uh, that, like, yeah, that new thing that just dropped God. from yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. Then uh, <laughs> that fits right in with all this too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think that uh, what Bruce says is right on the money. Like you create that immediate touchstone. I was going to go back to what you said about when people start showing up with maps. When people start showing up at the game with their own props, you either are playing a Cthulhu game or a vampire game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, you know, and that's when you know that this game has got legs because uh, people are showing up in costume. You know, <laughs> they've spent some time cosplaying over the week. You know, yeah, which I think is great too because it shows that you've got real investment from the players. And how many times have we heard the players say something and we were about ready to do A, and they said, "Well, I take the red card that's in the parking lot. And I take off," mm -hmm. and you're like, "Great." Yeah. And you take all your notes and push them off to one side and you go, <laughs> okay, you tear off down Sunset Boulevard. You're going about 90 miles an hour. Well, you know, uh, 
that's so essential. That, that That's the thing I think that a lot of GMs and players need to keep high in mind is that the GM is wants you to have a great time, but there's another part of that where you have to, I guess, give back, whatever you want to call it. But the player gives back so much to the GM. It's not really an asymmetrical relationship. I think some people think, oh, the GM does all the work. That is, in my experience, that is not true. Uh, we do a lot of the work, the obvious stuff, but so much of what comes to a great horror game, especially where suspense is needed, is people understanding when to be quiet, when to investigate. Don't try to treat it like a, you know, we're all going to pull our guns and start shooting. You know, it's like that's not the way it is. Yeah. Uh, it's much more subtle than that. So that's my hope for it is that people get some of that subtlety. If they don't, it'll still be a rollicking adventure, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, awesome. Fantastic. Okay, so let's 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 start to draw it back uh, and 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 start to at least draw this to a to a close. So going back to the lantern as a product, um, this is a digital like two part adventure that you got uh, releasing. What is your uh, that seems small and not in a bad way? Just like that's a very that's a singular idea. But I know that there is a bigger vision or, or more stories that you want to tell. Is this the the granule of uh, uh, of an idea that kind of stands alone, or are there other pieces that that this fits into uh, uh, down the road? Well, I'd say just to again just to frame it, and then people should chime yeah. in. Uh, the provenance of this thing was from a one shot at a convention. So, yeah. so if you were just to go by the book, I would say this is a standalone adventure. Yeah. You know, we didn't write a bunch more weird West, you know, uh, this is just something we did and we thought it was pretty polished and you liked it and we all kind of moved forward yeah. with it. Um, but I think we do have a series that we are working on that also is in the same vein of historical kind of what ifism, mm -hmm. and I could see tying together. Uh, we we have the working title of it of planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, but it is a series of games that takes place at different points in history, and has a center point on either being uh, you know in in the air uh, on a train or in a car, and these and we run them at conventions that are a lot of fun. That could be another way to do more alternative history stuff, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but I'm super open if this, if people like this, I think that's the big part of it. If people dig this, uh, then if they said, hey, what, what, what happened after San Francisco? Uh, then I don't think that we would shy away from writing that. That'd be great. There, there's more story to tell there for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, because truthfully, the bad guys in most of these things can't really ever be put away. No. They, yeah. they just go into hiding or move on to greener pastures or whatever else. But it's not like. Remission. You, yeah. Or go, or go they back. They go into remission. <laughs> they go into remission. <laughs> <laughs> the that's one of the great things about the mythos right is that the the villains are going to outlive the pcs uh, or 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 at least outlast the pcs we'll put it that way right like almost always and um that means that yeah there's always something to return to but you may not return with the same characters but you can you can return to that story that setting that place and time with a with fresh perspective um um i really like that idea i i like this idea of I mean, I know Zach is doing it over on the uh, the fantasy horror side of our project list and things like this idea of like, let's drop singular stories, one shots or, or you know, shorter adventure modules that you can get a taste for and you can experience and you can insert it into your own campaign or you can just have a great, you know, three session play experience. But it's also... I'm just a big fan of that in general in the sense of like, it can be that testing ground to see like, Oh, is there a, is there an avenue for a bigger, wider experience here? But it's also just like, I want that little dab of an experience. And then I want to go have another dab over here and I want to have another dab over here. I like the, right. the tasting menu approach mm -hmm. to gaming. Um, and my favorite, my favorite Cthulhu experiences are one shots, right? Where, right. where it's in and out. Um, so this is, you're creating something that exactly appeals to how I want to ingest this 
this genre. So that's very cool. Um, yeah, and I think we have the benefit of waiting. We can we can we can yeah. launch it, see how it goes, and then we figure it out. You know, yeah. but there's nothing. I don't think. What do what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, we um, because we had uh, at uh, Gen Con and other conventions. Um, we ran a series of these games, and which this one uh, had that kernel in it. Um, I definitely like the different points in time, and that uh, I would love to be able to bring some of those those out for home games and stuff too. I think I, I don't know. I think they're a lot of fun. A lot of the the historical settings, uh, definitely the real world historical settings. That's your a jam. Lot of fun. That's yeah. Your yeah, jam, yeah, that's that's rad. Awesome. Okay, so. The lantern. Um, it's going to be called just just to just to uh, allay concerns. It the the adventure's title may be the, the full title might be the Lantern of Ishkin Takanub. Did I say that yep. right? Okay, great. Yep. But you can you got, find... it. you got it better than anybody else gets it. <laughs> okay, so. I still I still haven't said it right once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my elder check, Bruce. Keep saying enough. You... That's right. No, it's when you fail the sanity check. That's when you yeah, actually say it, right. say it yeah, that's that's right. right. I made my sand check. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this is good. It's just going to be the Lantern of Cthulhu Epics Adventure right. on Kickstarter. Um, this is coming to Kickstarter in August of 2023. Um, but you're, you're like, you've already been talking about this, but the, the adventure is basically done. It's, you've, you, I think you said right now, as we speak, it's like 75, 80% complete and by the time it goes to kickstarter they'll be that much more progressed um so this is something that uh gonna have a quick turnaround and all that sort of uh jazz and we're really excited to see we, this is obviously launching on the same profile um that andrew hindenburg who came on the show uh, a while back did frigid fathoms which is his submarine uh, uh, Elder Gods approach uh, to a little short adventure. This is this is more expansive than that. The Lantern, I think, what you said, Danny. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is like a 48 page. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. I mean, we're going to include we're going to include some ancillary information and maybe maybe break that 48er into two PDFs. Yeah, yeah. So well, I like the idea of having all the stats and mechanics in one book and having most of the story and flow in the other book, so that you're not. You're just not page flipping a lot or getting lost. You can just kind of tell the story, and when you need the right stats, you just flip in the other book, and then you got that. Uh, or just having you know open two PDFs. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so you can check out the lantern um, as it as it launches. Um, you can follow the World of Game Design uh, Facebook page if uh, if you're following this right. Want to follow this right away? The best way to do that is to go there. Though the landing page where you'll be able to follow the project will be up in the next few days as well. Um, yeah. The other thing that we haven't brought up, and I, I want to give you an opportunity here, Danny and, and, and Susan, at the end to talk about is Delving Wood, just for a couple moments. Not This is a whole separate thing, but but we, we've gotten to know you guys now a little bit. And if, if people have made it this far, then they hopefully like you <laughs> and say, well, these are cool people that, that I want to know more about. So um, Really meet it in person. That's right. <laughs> that's <Yes>. right. So, <laughs> so you do Cthulhu Epics with us. You also have Delving Wood. That's the sound of the drills and things like that is because you, you, you basically live an enormous part of your, your day in a shop. Um, and Delving Wood is, is part of that. So talk, that say just a little bit about what you do when you're not writing um, archaic. Uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, so so what we make is uh, right now our primary product is a thing called map tiles, and they are uh, they look like they're wooden map tiles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now this presentation of them is about the most boring way I can show them because we have literally <laughs> dozens of different shapes, and you can do all sorts of crazy things. So we had a Kickstarter back at the beginning of the year, very successful. Uh, definitely was able to increase our capabilities to do stuff around here. But we have a shop with a big laser and a big CNC and a bunch of 3D printers. And we're actually making a physical side of game accessories as well. Right here in the state of Wisconsin, handmade stuff by us. And uh, you, hopefully you'll see some of this stuff at upcoming conventions. We're going to be at Game Hall Con. Um, and we're just building another whole... So there's the writing part of it and the publishing part of it, which you know we're partnering with uh, World of Game Design. Um, but then there's this other side of us that is doing dice towers, dice rollers, uh, custom screens. We're focusing kind of on Cthulhu stuff right now. Um, 
and that's what we do for a living. Uh, it's our full-time gig, both of us. So uh, we we are in the process of living the dream, I guess. Awesome. Sometimes it seems a little nightmarish. <laughs> but, uh, Delvingwood.com. Delvingwood.com, yeah, if you want to check it out. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. And then, Bruce, you mentioned it at the beginning. I really just wanted to live there for a few minutes. Um, but but uh, we'll give you an opportunity here. You mentioned at the beginning that you design escape rooms as your the thing that pays the bills to, to a yes. large extent. Um, if people want to experience a a Bruce Taylor escape room, is there opportunities for that? And where where might people get those opportunities? Uh, they will be in Chicago. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I I cannot say where. Uh, the when is the first room will be open probably October or November. Nice. Okay. Very close. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, and is there a, is there a site or, um, social media platform or something that people could go if they want to check out more of that or follow that? I know you're not, you're not the only person working on that. So I may be asking the wrong person, but, uh, I, I I don't have uh, a website, but if you're interested in talking about uh, escape rooms or escape room design, uh, you can um, email me at adventuresandinvestigations at gmail.com. Nice. Perfect. Okay. That works. Excellent. I'm just really glad that when you said, where can you experience one of Bruce's escape rooms, he didn't say, through that door over by right shoulder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two go in, but only one comes out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, hey, thank you, Bruce, Danny, Susan, for hanging out with me. It's been you, the delight on a Thursday a Thursday morning to get to, to, to chat and um, tell my new favorite uh, friends and acquaintances and, and peers. So appreciate you guys and appreciate you guys um, creating with me on this project. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Right on. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, hey, folks, uh, again, check out the Lantern on Kickstarter. You don't need to know any more than that. Go find it. And until then, uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.